Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to Drafting the Circuits on the Hoobazoo Radio Network. My name is Frank Santorowski, I'll be your host for the next hour or more as we talk about everything racing from this past weekend and a good weekend of racing it was for the NASCAR series, uh, all three uh, in action. Before we get to the racing action, let me introduce you to the panel tonight. Uh, back with us again after having a nice uh, week off, Gray Warren, good to have you back in the studio. How are you, Gray? I'm doing fine, glad to be back. All right, and then, uh, of course, your uh, comrade over there, Richard Childress, Richard Uden. Richard's in with us again tonight. Richard, how are you? I'm very good, thanks. Hope everybody else is doing well. All right, good to have you here, Richard. And my good friend, Seth Eggert. Seth's with us again tonight. Seth, how are you? I'm doing great. All right, so uh, NASCAR was uh, in action at uh, up north in New Hampshire. Uh, drivers racing to see who's going to win the Giant Lobster, which is one of my favorite trophies in NASCAR. Um, Truck Series was there as well. Uh, Xfinity guys had their own standalone weekend at the Kentucky Speedway. Um, you know, we're getting there's the next next round of racing is an elimination round. Um, so these all these races are must wins for uh, for a lot of the chase guys in the bottom half. But it was it was a guy in the top half there. Uh, Kyle Busch uh, stamping his name on this chase as well, automatically advancing to the next round. Uh, so great job to Kyle Busch in the 18 team. So uh, uh, without any further ado, I'm going to turn this over to you, Gray, uh, for some analysis, uh, post-race analysis coming out of New Hampshire. Yep. Uh, NASCAR boys head, to, head, like you said, head to Loudon for the, for the second playoff race. Uh, and uh, I thought they put on a, pr- a pretty good show up there. Um uh, again, it was a uh, Toyota Fest, as it has been for about the last uh, several years up there. A Joe Gibbs Toyota Fest, if you will. Uh, Toyota Toyotas pretty much dominated the race. There were only three leaders uh, during the entire race, and that would be uh, Martin Truex, Kyle Busch, and I think Kyle Larson uh, led led a few laps uh, in there. Um, you know, and, and, and it went pretty much true to form like, like some of the other races have been. Um, uh, the uh, 78 car was was strong. It, it uh, came from uh, about uh, oh 
fifth or sixth starting position and was able to uh, uh, take the lead with about 40 laps to go in the first stage. And Truex drove on to win his 19th stage to his 19th stage win uh, during this uh, during the season. And uh, then that's where things kind of got a little crazy there. Um, uh, he he pretty much dominated the uh, the second uh, stage. And right at the end of the stage, I think they'd already uh, taken the uh, taken the uh, taken the white flag for the final lap of the of the second stage. And Austin Dillon and Kevin Harvick get together coming off turn two and sends Harvick spinning down the backstretch in a massive cloud of smoke and caused a, a big pile up there in the middle of the backstretch. It collected uh, Truex, and luckily for him, Kyle Busch was able to squeeze by on the outside and get back to the start-finish line to win uh, the second stage. Uh, from that point on, Truex's car was never the same, and uh, it was pretty much a uh, a uh, Kyle Busch benefit race uh, to the finish. Uh, again, Toyotas uh, were very strong there again. Kyle, Mr. Larson ended up finishing second and uh, and pretty much secured his um, secured his. Uh, thing uh going into the next uh round on points so he should he should very easily transfer uh several people are, are in a little bit of trouble going in ricky stenhouse is at 12th he's tied with uh with austin Dillon, and then we've got uh kurt bush who was involved in that wreck uh at the end of the second stage hitting his teammate in the door uh he he was he's in he's in dire straits he's way back and casey kane and ryan newman are also in the bottom four so they're looking to have some uh some good luck at dover and some bad luck for some from some from some others to be able to transfer i think newman and uh dylan and stenhouse are in pretty good position uh they are they are not too far out uh they're i think they're all less than six points out of of transferring to the 12th. So that'll be interesting to see the race among those three cars. I think um, Casey Kane and uh, Kurt Busch are in dire trouble. Uh, they really have to, they essentially, uh, they're in must-win situation. Both of those guys are in a must-win situation uh, to be able to transfer uh, into uh, into the next round. So, uh, but yep, we'll go to Dover next week. Uh, should be interesting. The first elimination race of the playoffs so uh, I think we'll see some uh, some pretty intense racing uh, uh, throughout the field when we go to Dover. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Seth, do you have any thoughts on uh, on the um, race coming on New Hampshire? I know you, we, we were talking about something uh, earlier today, uh, something to do with Martin Truex and damage on his cars. Uh, yes. Uh, before the New Hampshire race, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., during his media availability, had called out drivers who do burnouts after the win, which he wasn't calling out everyone who just does a burnout. He was calling out the ones who uh, shred their tires to the point where it's tearing apart the rear end of the car to the point where it can't go through the LIS tech inspection, so NASCAR can't even tell if it's within the limits or not. And... Someone sent me on uh, Facebook earlier today, and I actually went back and looked to uh, make sure. On Lionel Racing, where 
they make all the die casts. They take pictures of the Racewing die casts every week, or Racewing car, I should say, every week. And they take detailed photos. Three out of Martin Truex Jr.'s five wins this year were on 1.5-mile tracks, four of them, actually. One ended under caution, so there was no burnout because NASCAR called everyone to pit road. The other three had the same exact damage on the right rear. Peeled back, ripped apart in the same exact way. And the way Junior called people out is the ones who do it not only purposely, but the ones who know where the limit is that it would tear the car up. Because we see these burnouts uh, week in, week out, people tearing their cars up and people not tearing their cars up. The drivers, I actually went back and looked through a bunch of photos all the way back through 2013. The drivers that show up more often than not with these uh, uh, either similar damage or the same damage that Truex Jr. had, more often than not are Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, Jimmy Johnson, and occasionally Denny Hamlin. So whatever it is that they're trying to hide here, right? Or yeah. if if they're trying if to hide, they so, are. if they are, and if that's they the are. big that's the big if. So let's well, let's, yeah, let's let Gray and Richard weigh in on this here, because uh, you know we we've talked about that before the burnouts and the 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 procedures. Uh, so I'll just I'll just let you two guys uh, jump in and tell me what your thoughts are. Well, folklore has it that that you know the burnout the whole burnout thing started a number of years ago was essentially uh, uh, to to do things to cover up. Back in the day, they claimed that they did the burnout so that they could uh, so so they could remove the traction control devices they had in the car and discard those in the infield grass and things like that. These are things that that uh, people claim went on, and and and, and there, there's a little bit of truth to that. Some of that some of that stuff did. Then the burnout got to be a more of a uh, showmanship kind of thing, and then too. In some other instances, it's been done to, to, to cover up some things. I looked at those pictures that Seth posted, and the damage is similar on those three cars because actually his burnouts are the similar. He would shred the right rear tire, and when that right rear tire blows out, the carcass of the tire will, will grab the, uh, the rear fender supports and actually pull the fender in underneath the car. And that gives it that the, the look that it does, and it's, and it's a, all three pictures are very similar, and they and they show you what happens when they burn the carcass off these tires, and they start flapping around during that burnout, and they actually just turn the rear fender up, up under it. Uh, you know, the the car can go back through LIS. They can they can mount another tire on that car and, and check the LIS because the LIS basically is checking the parameters of, of the suspension. And they're not doing a whole lot to that unless they're doing some things like we've talked about in, in, in the past where they're trying to realign the, uh, the, piece, the movable pieces in the rear end. And we've, we've talked about other ways that, that teams do that and, you know, uh, violently shaking the car and, and, and violently stopping the car uh, post-race. Some of that, you know, some of that's done. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing, you know, that that, that that does to me, unless they're trying to do some stuff with the right rear quarter panel, and, and, and Richard can Richard will back me up on this and he can allude to it more, but the, the right rear quarter panel on these race cars is very critical. 
very, very critical. And it, it, it undergoes a lot of scrutiny by the NASCAR officials week in and week out for some of the things that teams do. And the teams rely on that right rear quarter pattern aerodynamically to actually help the car in the corners. They're essentially using that right rear corner to bank off a wall of air to help secure the car, you know, aerodynamically in the middle of the corner. So some of that, you know, you, you, we can speculate and, 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 and add conjecture to it that that could have something to do with it. But all the guys that, that, that uh, Seth mentioned do have do these spectacular burnouts each week and to me if nascar wants to end it and wants to end any of that uh in the burnout but again that's part of the fan experience because the fans have become to come to enjoy that part of the race i particularly don't like it i've never i mean i, I think you know I, i'm an old school guy i remember and watched david pearson and richard petty and kale yarber and all, bobby allison and those guys win many many races uh during their careers and they would always take the checkered flag, uh, take one cool off lap, take it to victory lane, uh, park the car, uh, kiss the girl, grab the checkered flag, and get the trophy and the money and go home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all you need. Oh. Uh, yeah, so I, I agree with you, Greg. If, if there's really this much kind of, of, of focus on this, just say, yeah, just make it against the rules, you know. But it, or but you know, it, when, it, when it, the guys it, just used to do little donuts on the infield grass, you know, instead of sitting there yeah. burning the tire. You but know, it's just, become it's become a fan favorite, and the fans look for it. And I think you know the last thing NASCAR wants to do, and, they, and they're doing some of this now too. I mean, they're, they're getting a lot of, uh, and we'll go back and talk about this, and, and Seth can 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 add in on this too. You know, there was the uh, the, the the practice uh, penalty that Joey Logano had to serve at, at New Hampshire on uh, on Saturday, where he was was made to buckle. And strap into the car and sit at the end of pit road the entire practice without going out and turning a lap, and that was kind of ridiculous and kind of silly. And you know NASCAR doesn't doesn't really want to get into this uh, thing with the fans where they where they're kind of like the no fun league, you know, like the NFL had to go through a few years ago when they when they kind of clamped down on the uh, on the uh, celebration. Uh, right. Uh, in zone celebrations and of course the fans got all in the uproar because you know that's what they like to see so i guess nascar's again like they always do is walking a tightrope and that fine line between you know ta- taking a something that the fans enjoy away and and doing something that they need to do to 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 govern uh the races yeah now seth you did have a question before we move on to anything else i just want to make sure yeah i did have get, a question too far past the topic I, I did want, have, I want to I, circle back to Joey Logano in a moment. I did actually have two questions uh, because of something else Gray said. First off, uh, back in May at the All-Star Race, uh, Adam Stevens had said on the radio to Kyle Busch, when he does his burnouts, make sure to spin to the right. Could that, uh, could that put more pressure on the right rear tire, making it shred the right rear fender? Uh, you know, uh, that's more likely a, a sort of suspension realignment yeah, that, rather that, than uh, anything that would, else. That's what that would be for. Yeah. Okay. And because, the se- sorry. Go ahead. Go uh, ahead. Like, uh, the second question is, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but again, going back through all the photos that I did uh, go through, all of this seemed to start after 
the Talladega race in which Chad Knauss didn't know the mics were still on and told Jimmy if he wins to crack the back of his car yeah. against the wall. So could it be a trend that Knauss inadvertently started? Yeah, I mean, they, hey, listen, these guys are smart and they're crafty, crafty individuals. And they, and listen, it's not it goes on in every shop in the business. Everybody's trying to gain that competitive edge, and there are tricks that 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 the teams do. And yeah, I, I'm I'm familiar with the thing that you're talking about with Chad did, where the where Mike was still hot, and and a lot of people heard that. Yeah, I, I I have no doubt there's there's things that going up, and obviously you know it's when you do something and you cover it up, it's your word against someone else's. Did it? The evidence is is gone. You know you can't you can't reconstruct it there. And sure, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it. I mean that's part of the uh, part of the game that 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 these people play, and we we played them for years. The same thing. So you know. Um, I, I, I don't know that the, the right rear quarter panel thing right now, like I said, all that all that damage that you showed in those pictures was very consistent with what we've always said. They burned the, they burned the rear tires completely off the car to the point where they are shredding the car, the outer carcass of the tire. Right behind the right rear tire and the left rear tire is a fender brace. It comes out from the chassis and attaches and it holds the fender in place. What happens is that that as that tire shreds that carcass, it hits that fender brace and wraps around it and essentially pulls it away and or pulls that and the fender into the car. And that damage is consistent on most cars that do these these spectacular burnouts and, and, and destroy the rear tires. So you're always going to see that when, when that happens. Uh, you also see that same damage, you know, when when there's a tire failure on the track when the right rear blows. And the carcass comes off it. You see, you see similar damage, essentially because of the way they fasten the fasten the leading edge of the of the of the fender, you know, to the chassis. It's always going to grab that and, and and rip that fender upward to the inside. But yeah, uh, no doubt. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that they don't do it. I'm not gonna say they will. But sure, some 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 funny stuff does go on from time to time. NASCAR's aware of it. They do their best to uh, they do their best to uh, to investigate it and, and 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 do warn the teams to to do it. But but the, really the only way to clear that up and clean it completely up is have a strict strict post race protocol that the winner takes the checkered flag and drives the car back around to uh, to pit road for any uh, you know you know you see them at speedways they'll check the spoiler. Uh, they'll check to see the lug nuts, and then the guy drives it on to Victory Lane. And really, essentially, that's the only way they'll clean it up is NASCAR. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. We'll have to have to come in and and and, uh, and have a rule that uh, that establishes a post race protocol for the winner. Yeah, that's uh, that's absolutely plan that makes sense. Yeah. So now getting back to this Joey Logano thing, right? Because I I thought it was a little ridiculous that he was forced to sit in his car for fifty minutes because I don't see what purpose it served. You know, as a matter of fact, I heard that the. Um, the, the local police there got a phone call that saying that somebody had left a child in a hot car. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, but is, I mean, is this is this specifically written in the rules like that? Or it, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, for X number of times they fail uh, tech inspection, whether it's pre qualifying or pre practice, which is opening day, or even pre race, which that would carry on over to the next week, they're held. Uh, X amount of time on pit road, and this is actually a rule that goes back to the late nineties. The first driver actually dinged by this rule, ironically, in one sense. Dale Earnhardt Sr., nineteen ninety-eight, the July Daytona race. Now, did he have to sit out the entire practice session? Or Fif- like, it was or like uh, 10 fifteen. Minutes or right? yeah. It was like ten or fifteen minutes. Yeah, but yeah. I, when you get to the point where you're not even going to get on the track. You know why? Why make the guy sit in the car? Yeah, it's actually yeah. An, it's, it's actually an, an amendments to the rules that they have they have they have done uh, over time where they have changed and put the guys out there with where they go sit. They 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 are docked uh, practice time that's supposed to hurt them. You know, as far as their race uh, preparation or their qualifying preparation. These, this is this is what the penalty is actually supposed to be. The deal with the driver sitting in the car is almost like uh, putting a child in timeout in the cor- making them sit in the corner. Uh, exactly. I, yeah. I, I don't. I think it's. I think it's rather silly. I think basically the the uh, they should just say, okay, you guys forfeit your practice. That that is and that is the real punishment. It's you're not punishing the drivers sitting in the car. I mean, basically. Uh, the punishment is the whole team uh, losing that valuable practice time because practice time at these races is, is at a premium now. You get uh, so just very little practice time uh, first day pre-qualifying. You'll get anywhere from an, from an hour to 90 minutes of practice, and you have to run both your, your – uh, you do some of your uh, qualifying setup and some of your race setup is done during that time. And then you'll get two 55 minute practice sessions, uh, generally, uh, on Saturday, uh, before the race after qualifying. So basically you're hurting the teams, you know, they weren't hurting. I mean, they, they just really didn't hurt Joey Logano sitting in that uh, car for, for, for 55 minutes because hell he's paid, he's paid well, whether he's driving or sitting in the car, his pay is the same. Where it hurts the team is losing that valuable practice time. It, it, it enables them to uh, to work on the car and get the car, uh, you know, running better or handling better or set up better 
better for the race. So the part where he sits in the car is essentially kind of ridiculous to me. I, yeah, what do you think, it, Richard? It seems to serve no purpose. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, 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 it doesn't, you know, NASCAR has so many, um, you know, complaints about the way they manage the sport. And, you know, we talked about the penalties um, and the like, and it's just, they just don't help themselves, do they? No. They really don't. I mean, it's so frustrating. Everybody can see it that it's like absolutely ridiculous. Impound the car, you know. Make the car sit on on pit road, but let the driver get out of the damn thing. Come on, please. Yeah, basically, the, 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 they already hurt the team. The team's already paying the price with losing yeah. practice time, and that's a, the most. That's the more valuable thing. Of course, know, it is that, in a in a, in a world where we have you know so many stupid things going on. Can't NASCAR just have some common sense? Yeah. That that that's beyond common sense. Making him sit in that car, I I, I totally agree with you on that. It, it, that that no place for it. I understand the penalties. They've got to draw the line. They got to clean up this this inspection procedure and get these guys from pushing the envelope so much because it slows down the whole process and getting all the cars out on the out on the uh, line. And I tell you, when you go to tracks like Loudon, where you've got other divisions racing. You know, time is at a premium, and the NASCAR doesn't carry as many inspectors to the track as they once did. So these guys are having to pull double duty. They're they're over in the cup garage, and then they have to leave there and go to the truck garage or the Xfinity garage to, to administer inspection in those garages. And then when you have other support races at the track, like Loudon does, Loudon will have, them, have the modifieds there as well, you're on a pretty tight schedule. For, for that day, and I can understand NASCAR getting upset because it, it, it it's kind of delaying what, what they need to get done, but yeah, there's the penalty. Take practice time away from them, make them leave the car in the garage area. I mean, why take it, what does that do, take it out on pit road so that the world sees it? NASCAR well, is doing I guess that would be to stop people from working on it. That would be the well, that, right, yeah, yeah. Well, then, yeah. Oh, here's a bigger penalty, here's a bigger penalty. Stick it up on jacks and let every you know team members from every other organization go and have a look at it. Yeah, <laughs> that would stop. There you go. In a heartbeat. <laughs> well, what I would, I mean, just some thoughts I have because I had a lot of people sending me joking suggestions as to what NASCAR should do. Everything from NASCAR just confiscating the car for an hour and having Joey Logano sit in the stands for the hour. Well, Joey Logano, Joey Logano doesn't even need to be to be to, to be punished for this because well, you know I, I he, he's part he's part of it. I mean, don't I, get me wrong, he's part of the team. But you know, punish the crew chief, punish the punish the car chief, uh, those guys. You know, uh, on this thing, and some of their some of their other punishments. There, you know, they don't. Uh, you know, here's a here's a prime example. They put every time there's a there's a there's a major technical gaffe and the, and they find it they let they levy a, a penalty against the team. The crew chief is the one who who has directed that those things be done. He alone is responsible for that. Now he tells his guys to do that, but that's their job. It's their job to carry out his wishes and his orders. So they'll always not only they'll they'll because the the car chief did it. He's the actual one that actually maybe 
did the work, or other, or not even him, other crew members may have been responsible for putting this in the car. They did it at the direction of the crew chief. The crew chief and the owners are the ones that need to be held responsible for that, not the mechanics on the car that were just doing what they were told. It's their job. What are they supposed to do? Well, I refuse to do that because it's against the rule. Well, then, you you know, like Richard Childress said, you can catch the Greyhound home. You know, that's that's I've always thought that was ridiculous, uh, you know, under NASCAR's uh, edict, you know. Uh, and a lot of the times, the way that typically works is that if it's something that the team knows about and, you know, there's been a discussion and said, hey, look, we're going to push the envelope here and they get caught for it, then typically the team will cover the crew chief's phone. If it's a crew chief going, you know, totally on his own and yeah, going manipulating rogue. something, then it's, hey, that's up to you. Yeah. Um, so there is normally that sort of, you know, way of looking at it. it something else. Uh, right now it takes about six and a half minutes for a car to be inspected at the LIS. NASCAR at Chicagoland unveiled a new system that right now they're just using uh, in a test format, and all non-playoff teams can try it out if they choose. And instead of it taking six and a half minutes, it takes 90 seconds. Yeah, they're using an optical measuring optical measuring system. Yeah, And that would cut down on the number of drivers like Joey Logano, who, if they were to fail multiple times not even getting a chance to go out and qualify, which is where this penalty came from. The other thing I wanted to say is, did any of you see the uh, tweet Joey Logano sent out? It was a selfie that his wife, Brittany, took. She leaned over the pit wall and put her hand up to the window net and put family visitation. Yeah, made it look like a... Made it look like a prison conjugal visit. Yeah, I yeah, that. yeah. I thought I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I don't know. That but, was that but was. But Seth, Seth, I did like your, the idea you just said of uh of having him watch from the stands. You know what? That's uh, that's a good idea. Let him go out there, sign some autographs, do some selfies with some people. You know, spread some goodwill for the sport there. Spend some time with the fans. Yeah, I do like that. So, so uh, Seth, uh, will you briefly take us through? Uh, the Xfinity and Truck uh, weekends. Um, let us know how uh, the Chasers are going there. We've had trucks for in, in Loudon with the Cup Series. Uh, Xfinity was standalone uh, in Kentucky. So um, you want to give us a quick well starting off with the Xfinity Series. Um, Tyler Reddick, a non-playoff driver, won. Uh, next year he'll be driving for Junior Motorsports, taking over William Byron's ride. He won by 14 and a half seconds over his teammate and playoff competitor, Brennan Poole. They both drive for Chip Ganassi Racing. It was the biggest margin on a 1.5-mile track for the Xfinity Series, biggest margin of victory. Uh, other than that, the biggest moment was Justin Allgaier uh, losing a tire in the first round, uh, first uh, stage, and he fought back from two laps down in the second stage to finish that stage on the lead lap in the top 10. And That's why it was quite a run. And he went on to finish third, I believe. So he had a heroic comeback. And right now he is tied in points with Cole Custer, who won both stages. Cole Custer has 
earned the most points of any Xfinity Series driver on 1.5-mile tracks this year. And it looks like it's going to be an awesome battle between the two of them, Elliot Sadler and William Byron. Uh, Moving on to the Truck Series, there were a couple of playoff competitors who had some trouble. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek had a mechanical problem for the second year in a row at New Hampshire, ended up finishing last among the playoff competitors. Uh, Johnny Sauter got caught up in an incident with uh, Noah Gregson. Noah Gregson spun off of somebody else, hit Johnny Sauter in the passenger door. About 15, 20 laps later, Johnny Sauter's exhaust system sheared off the car because uh, the truck because of the damage. He went on to finish the race. I can imagine how he fell afterwards without having an exhaust system. But... But uh, it he finished, I want to say, 6th or 7th among the playoff competitors. Uh, Christopher Bell dominated the truck race. Uh, he won both stages, won the race. Uh, he leads the points. Uh, finishing 2nd was a non-playoff competitor, Ryan Truex, followed by Todd Gilliland. It was his best career finish. And also I want to mention Stuart Friesen. He finished 5th after a two-week hiatus. Uh, the normally a dirt uh, car driver who was going to run full time this year, but some funding issues made him take a couple hiatus breaks. Uh, he finished fifth. It was his first ever top five and top ten on pavement. Sounds like a great weekend for those guys. Um, and they uh, now their their elimination rounds next week too for Xfinity uh, trucks. Correct. Uh, Xfinity, their elimination round is at Charlotte next week. Right. Uh, t- uh, for the trucks, it's in two weeks at Talladega. Okay. Mm-hmm. Outstanding, yeah. Okay, so, guys, before we move on to talking about some other race series, let's talk about uh, preview this week's coming up. Uh, we're at the uh, the Monster Mile in Dover. Um, I, I think the only trophy cooler than the Giant Lobster in New Hampshire is the Giant Rock Monster <laughs> that they have at Dover. Wow, I, I love I love that thing. You know, my third favorite one is the 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 um, Grandfather Clock in Martinsville. So, but uh, let's talk about who's going to win that Rock Monster. And because we have an elimination round, Miles the Monster, huh? Miles the Monster, yes. So, That's we'll, so you guys uh, each have a pick to see who wins the race, and then your prediction on the four drivers that will be eliminated from the chase. And who wants to go first? Richard? Uh, to win... Hmm, Harvick. Okay, and to be eliminated? Um, who uh, to be eliminated? I think Casey Kane and Kurt Busch are gone, haven't they? Yeah, they're pretty, pretty much, much unless they win um, the race, they're... Pretty much, and I mean, Ricky Stenhouse. He can't. I mean, he's living on a, you know, borrowed time, isn't he? I mean, he's both both races so far. He stuck the thing in the wall and still kept going. Um, so I think he's probably going to, you know, his third time. He's he's looked going to run out and he's going to, um, you know, fall out. And then uh, you, you've got to, I've got to play the company hat and say that Jamie Murray's going to have a problem and that Austin and Ryan will get in. All right, sounds good. Seth, you can get the next pick. Uh, race winner, I'm going to go with Truex. Oh, come on. Really? <laughs> How original is that? When, when, when's the last time that guy won a race? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you got Truex. 
All right, now, who, played, who are the uh, four, four that are going? Casey King and Kurt Busch. Uh, right? I think that's a given, like they said. Yeah, I think we'll all the agree there. The other two, and I hope Richard and Gray don't kill me for this. The other two, I'm going to say, are Austin Dillon and Ryan Newman. Okay. Now, Gray, you've got the next pick. I'm going to say Jimmy Johnson. He's been kind of, uh, you know, he's he really hadn't, uh, he's just been kind of there the last month or so. Really hasn't... Uh, Shown a lot of uh, a lot of speed, but we're coming to a track that he's pretty much dominated over the years, and he won there in the spring. Uh, I'm going to say Jimmy Johnson, you know, gets his uh, his uh, title defense on track uh, at Dover uh, for my uh, cars eliminated. I'm going to say, um, obviously, Casey Kane and Kurt Busch will will be eliminated. Uh, you know, it's it's tough on it's tough for that for that seventeen car because uh, Dover's one of the tracks that he partic- runs that particularly well. But you know that team has just not seemed like they've been had it together uh, the last month. So I'm going to say Ricky's probably going to go, and I'm going to say that uh, uh, possibly the uh, the Austin Dillon's not going to transfer. I know I hate to do that against my own car, but uh, they have. Uh, They've really not shown uh, the ability to, uh, to 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 run run consistently enough to where they uh, where they can get up and and, and run in the uh, in the top ten like they need to to secure uh, a spot moving on. All right, and uh, so I will. I was thinking about Jimmy Johnson uh, for, for the pick there, but uh, it just that seemed that team just seems to be nowhere lately. They really do, even though Jimmy always runs well at Dover. I mean, he's got he's got enough rock monsters in his his uh, trophy case that he could give me one. Um, but uh, I'm going to go with Kyle Larson um, because he's just been hot every week, but every week. And the guys going home, obviously Casey and Kurt. Uh, you know, unless one of those guys wins this thing, and it doesn't seem likely. Um, it'd be more likely for Kurt than Casey, but I think those guys are going home. Uh, Ryan Newman always seems to be able to squeak it out. I say Ryan is safe. He's going to he's gonna get in. I think Austin's going to fall out, and the other guy that's going to fall out is going to be Ricky Stenhouse. So that's that's where we're at with that, and we'll uh, see how close we were next week when we rejoin. But uh, any final NASCAR thoughts before we move on to start talking about the uh, IndyCar boys testing the um, their brand-new car that debuts next year? No, I can't think of anything. We we pretty much covered all the major major issues that we covered. Of all the cars uh, made it through, uh, all the cars taken to to NASCAR Tech uh, post race. Uh, uh, New Hampshire uh, made it through uh, Tech. I don't think there was any penalties announced today. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yeah, us, but nothing, nothing serious as far as what we've what we've been seeing the last few weeks. So uh, I think we'll just uh, you know move on to um to uh, Dover and uh, 
to the to the first elimination race. All right, yeah, and that'll be in a week's time. So uh, in the meantime, IndyCar um, had some more of the 2018 spec cars out there on the track uh, in Sebring. Sebring, uh, one of the IndyCar's favorite off-season test facilities down there. Um, it's a great track with a lot of a lot of different style turns where they can get a lot of data. So they had their the guys that have been doing the primary bulk of the testing on the new car, that being uh, you know Juan Montoya and Oriol Servia. Uh, we also had several of the current IndyCar drivers um, out there as well, testing the car for the first time. Spencer Piggott, Scott Dixon, James Hinchcliffe, and Joseph Newgarden all got some seat time in the new car. Um, and their sentiments kind of echo the sentiments uh, that we were getting from um, the test drivers, Montoya and Serbia, that the car is, uh, number one, a lot more difficult to drive uh, than the current one, and that's what they want. Spencer, I believe it was Spencer Piggott said, or was it Serbia said, this car is a handful, but that's a good thing. You know, they want a car that, that's going to be have, have less downforce and... You know, more mechanical grip. I don't know, Richard. You're gonna you're gonna lecture me on mechanical grip here in a minute, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm waiting for it. But uh, uh, overall, very very positive uh, feedback in the car. I think as I look at this thing, uh, you know, we're gonna have a car that uh, the only thing that they could do to make it a little more cart spec would be to to boost the horsepower. Okay, because we've we've talked about you know less downforce, more horsepower. Um, we're getting the less downforce. We're not going to get the more horsepower. Not yet, anyway. Um, we may get a little because, uh, obviously, Chevy and, Chevy and Honda will do tweaks every every year in the off season, you know, trying to outdo one another. But uh, I think this car is going to have a bit of an equalizing effect uh, where we're going to see it. the more technically astute drivers will, will, will take to this car quicker. I say guys like Dixon. um Guys like Pagano, um, willpower to an extent, um, will be able to thrive with this car right away. I think some of the guys that are a little more aggressive uh, may find themselves in trouble a little bit. I'm, I'm talking guys like um, Takuma Sato, um, Graham, Ray, <laughs> Graham Rahal, uh, Marco Andretti. I, I think these guys are going to find the, the limit of the car uh, real quick <laughs> the wrong way. Um, but uh, I think it's going to be an exciting season. Um, everybody's pumped about the car. Um, the the results are positive. Firestone's working on a, a new tire that's going to kind of favor the car a little more. So um, this whole removal of uh, 2,000 pounds of downforce, you know, we're taking the downforce being generated from the top of the car back to the bottom of the car, um, which is kind of what they want. And the car looks great. It's, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. So now... Richard, I'll throw it to you. We we had a little talk earlier off the air about um, you know um, how the uh, engineers will exploit this car once uh, once they have it. Yeah, I mean, the, you often hear the phrase uh, mechanical grip and aerodynamic grip, and aerodynamic grip to a certain extent does exist. That is the force which the, the, the air flowing over the car can help push the car into the ground. But the only way you get grip is through the tyres. Those four little black round, black round discs on each corner, that is what sticks the car to the ground. That is where you generate the grip. And you know, for people that follow a lot of Formula 1 and a lot of um, IndyCar racing, you don't necessarily see it quite so much in, in, in NASCAR due to the the nature of the the cars and how they run, but they're always talking about tyre temperature. 
and that is what generates your grip. There, um, the the tires have an operating window, and the drivers will work to keep the tires in that window. And that window is such that the the, the surface of the tire generates the maximum amount of grip between the tire and the track surface. Um, you know, the, the, uh, uh, these sort of extremes that you're working at, the tire almost becomes a liquid, that the, that the rubber is, becomes liquid and it's sliding across the surface of the tire. That's when you see graining um, on the tire when the rubber starts to actually move to the extremities of the tire. Um, and you see blistering as well, which is where the, the, literally the, the surface of the tire starts to boil. So what these drivers are trying to do is maintain a window where the tire generates maximum amount of grip. And the aerodynamics can help, but that's not changeable. You can't change the aerodynamics mid-race. Mid so it's all about driver control to keep the tires in that range. And the concept of your suspension systems and your dampers and whatever, you, whatever else you want on the car, generating mechanical grip, you can change those components um, and that will change your camber, for example, which will increase your contact patch with the surface or reduce your contact patch with the, with the, uh, with, with the track surface. But you're, you never really, it's always a byproduct. You're never really generating grip and performance from um, the suspension. You're only, all you're doing is basically keeping the tires in contact with the ground for longer periods, which is obviously an advantage because you gener generate more grip. So it's a little bit of a fault, you know, whenever drivers say or engineers say mechanical grip, it's always a little bit of a, a false um, false concept there. But by sounds things with this car, what they're looking to do is take away the aero grip, which makes getting the tyres into their operating window harder. And of course with IndyCar, they don't have, uh, you know, your tyre blankets or your tyre warmers. So when the tyres go on the car, they're cold. So to, there's a lot more required of the driver to get them in that window. And even, the, even if in Formula 1 you see that the tyres are warmed pre... There are blankets that warm tyres pre-event um, or pre-pit stop, and you'll see them on the grid at the start of the race. They'll lay the blankets, and they'll have a very, very almost down to nearest second timing sequence when they remove those blankets on the grid and the like. Um, even though the tyres are warm, you'll see a drop-off in temperature because it's not a core temperature of the tyre, it's just a, a surface temperature. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what these new cars look like, and, and hopefully they can, you know, some of these drivers that you say drive more aggressively, what happens is they're basically overheating the tyres, and then that's in turn reducing the amount of grip they can generate. So that's why um, these aggressive drivers end up sticking it in the wall or sticking it in the grass more often is because they're not good at managing the tire temperatures. You know, and to further complicate that and to, and to add, just kind of add to what Richard said, you know, the, the two things, aero grip and, and, and mechanical grip, they're somewhat of a compromise because a lot of your, a lot of your settings, a lot of your static settings take into effect that, you know, that the uh, contact patch is going to change as the car settles aerodynamically and goes down to the track. So there's always a compromise that you have to set between the aero and the mechanical to, to, to increase and get the optimum contact patch that you, that you, that you want to get. And one thing that a lot of, a lot of people don't know is these, the carcass on these race car tires is very thin. Uh, it's, it's purposely done that way because 
heat is heat is the is is the thing that hurts race car tires the most. Uh, so they have to have a thin carcass on them to dissipate some of that heat as as they run. So these uh, these tires are very thin, but the very the the compounds are very 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 durable. Uh, so yeah. basically, you know, it's 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 an art in making the tires work. And and like Richard says, that is the whole effort. Every weekend is you're trying to make your tires work better than the competition. Well, you, you go back in, in Formula One a few years ago, there was um, the, I don't want to use the word con- controversy about it, but the discussion, the debate about the legality of a lot of these suspension systems that were teams running where they had hydraulically linked suspension. So your front and rear of the car was hydraulically linked. Um, and actually, it was man- uh, um, the MANA team, which probably had the most uh, innovative system. And um, when they folded, a, a lot of their actual uh, engineers that were responsible for that system ended up moving to Mercedes to work on that with them. But the whole concept of that was, again, to keep all four tyres in contact with the, with the track as long as possible. I mean, if, you've have a, if you have like an uneven chair and you push the right rear thinking of it again as a car, if you push one of the chair legs to the, into the ground, the opposite corner lifts up off the ground. And that's right. what's happening in a corner. You're loading one side of the car, which pushes that side of the car into the ground. So front left would soften and dip to, again, increase your contacts. And if you're braking under that concept, you know, a car that, you know, a tire that's being, that's braking that's in the air is not doing anything to slow the car down. That was the active suspension well, it was a little bit. Yeah, I mean, active suspension goes back into the nineties. This was a different system where it wasn't necessarily active suspension, but it was a link suspension. Mm-hmm, so right. it was hydraulic linkage that um, you know ensured that when one corner dipped, the other corner responded um, right. in an, an appropriate manner to help keep that. I mean, active suspension going back into the nineties and the early nineties, especially, was a a very um, smart system i mean you could see these cars on the in the garage and they would like almost like these um you know cars you see um raising up and lowering and you know you could tilt the car and move the car on 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 the uh, four four tires um right whereas and that would often be based around what it would be now i guess they'd use gps but back then of course gps wasn't available so they used throttle traces and braking and steering algorithms to work out where the car was on the track and determine optimum suspension configurations for each particular corner mm-hmm. and you would the engineers would go through and divide a formula one track up into individual corners and they would have an optimum suspension geometry for each corner and the car would change attitude and change uh suspension configuration for each corner and i mean those those cars were incredibly dangerous because sometimes those things failed and the car slammed to the ground mm-hmm. and you're just heading to the wall i got you yeah so the other the other big uh, focus of the test uh with the new car was the uh, new braking systems they're they're adding into indycar they're they're changing brake uh, manufacturers there, so they spent a lot of time working on the brakes there. But uh, some of the comments coming from the drivers, you know, with the with the fact that the car has two thousand pounds less downforce, um, you know, the the they're going to have to brake a little earlier. The brake right, zones, the brake zones are going to be different. Um, right. And 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 Dixon uh, had mentioned that he thinks it's really going to open up the competition to be able to dive in deeper and outbrake somebody, which is uh, right. you know we we haven't seen those quite 
you know, sort of passes, those are, uh, you know, legendary. That's how you would pass, dive in, and outbreak somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the cars being so kind of evenly matched, uh, it's been a little tougher to make a pass that way. So I, yeah, it's I'm, put I'm a kind of excited about that. Yeah, premium man. on braking, yeah. Braking, and, yeah. We, so. we saw a similar situation in NASCAR early in the year with, with when we were learning our new, new lower downforce package, some of these tracks. You know, uh, Pope. First, I'll, I'll call, uh, bring back, remind you about the the first Pocono race we went to when we had some uh, had some really serious brake failures. Uh, 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 Jimmy Johnson and uh, Jamie McMurray were among those that suffered brake failure uh, because they, you know, they the the new downforce package they had not quite figured out because it, you were gonna you were gonna lose. Uh, you know, you used to have the downforce to help you get through the car. Now you're using more brake to settle the car going into the corner. So it was it was causing some issues. But, you know, they figured it out and, and moved on, and these guys will do likewise. Yeah, absolutely so. Um, but uh, otherwise, IndyCar, you know, that's the last test sanctioned by IndyCar. Um, the, the rest of the testing will be um, – taken care of by the manufacturers honda and toyota will all test the car on their own through the rest of the off season um not a lot of new news on the driver movement um same rumors are still out there but nothing is confirmed uh, the most exciting news is that trevor carlin uh, has been pretty public that that he really feels like the time is right for him to jump into jump on into indycar uh you know right now with the two-car team um, it was our own Joey Barnes, who's on the show this often, who uh, had interviewed Trevor and broke the story on IndyCar.com. And, and uh, seemingly everybody from Racer Magazine to Motorsport to David Malsher to everything down to the, the clickbait sites uh, picked up on Joey's article and wrote their own version of it. So, uh, But that, that's a pretty big story. And Trevor Carlin has been involved in racing for years and years uh, on all, all sort of uh, levels in Europe and in the States. Um, you know, Carlin racing is legendary and, you know, the, the GP2 and GP3 and, and whatnot. So for him to decide that he's ready to jump on into IndyCar, that, that's great news for the team. Now, he's still, he's still a ways out. We don't know if it's going to happen in 2018. You know, he hasn't, doesn't have an engine partner yet, although Chevrolet would seem likely. Um, uh, he doesn't have drivers under contract yet, but uh, the, the popular word is that, uh, you know, Max Chilton and Charlie Kimball, both who were uh, let go over at Ganassi, well, they're both drivers that can bring some funding to the table. Um, you know, uh, uh, Chilton is backed by Gallagher, and um, Charlie Kimball has his uh, Novo Nordisk um, folks that have been, um, you know, uh, sponsoring him for years. So I just hope that... Um, they can get all this together and uh, that Carlin can join the grid. And in the meantime, um, you know, Ricky Yunkos um, entered Indy last year. Hopefully he'll be able to get a full-time program together. Uh, if not, we'll certainly see him at Indy, maybe a couple of the ovals. But um, it's looking good for car count next year. We might be, you know, if everything goes right, we, we might be up to 20, 24, 25 cars on the grid. So exciting stuff. But... Uh, that's about all going on in IndyCar. So let's talk about Formula One for a little bit, Richard. So, because I have a question for you. Go on then. So, um, so it's kind of funny. So we'll talk about uh, Carlos. All the rumors are Carlos Sainz is going to go to Williams sooner rather than later. He's going to Renault. I'm sorry. What did I say? Williams. 
Williams, yeah. Right, yeah, because that's uh, that's in my next thought. I'm, I, I thank you. Yeah, so he's contracted for Williams next year, and the the word on the street is yeah that he's going to Renault. Renault. Okay. <laughs> Russ, eh, no. So he signed for Renault next year. <laughs> the yellow. He's going to drive that yellow car. <laughs> Sounds like my wife talking to me about Formula One there. I know, right? So, uh, so anyway, yeah. So they're they're predicting that he's going to be in that car sooner rather than than later. And they asked Danny Kvyat, um, "Oh, you know, are you sad that Sainz is leaving?" And, and he was really kind of glib about it. And oh yeah, look, I'm I'm so sad. You see my tears. Um, well, it turns out um, that Kvyat's the one that's. Uh, not going to be in that Toro Rosso this weekend, um, as uh, their reserve driver Pierre Gasly uh, is going to be in the car, and um, uh, it looks like uh, Carlos will finish out the season at uh, Red Bull with Pierre. So that's happened there. Um, and the other news that I read that kind of uh, that I want to throw to you, Richard, is um, over at Williams, and I mean Williams this time, and not Renault. <laughs> over at Williams, the, the short list um, is uh, down to. Keeping Massa, um, Robert Kubica, and uh, is DeResta the other name on there? Right, yes. DeResta, yeah. yeah. So uh, evidently Kubica had a test scheduled in the 2014 car um, so they could evaluate the um, the possibility of, of he would, if he would be a good fit with the team or if he's fit to drive. You know, if you recall, uh, Kubica had an accident in 2011 where he lo- lost a portion of his arm, but he's uh, spent uh, – a lot of this season uh, testing uh, with Renault. Uh, when that seat didn't become available, his name went on the radar with Williams. But evidently, um, Lance Stroll's daddy, Papa Stroll, we like to call him, uh, it made the call that they should cancel Kubica's test because he doesn't see Kubica as a suitable teammate for his son on the team. So now we know Papa Stroll writes a big check to Williams, okay? But is the check big enough that he is – Making the calls for the team, Richard. What are your thoughts on this? Because I'm I'm appalled. Um, I'm very skeptical about it. To tell you the truth, I mean there are. At the end of the day, for Williams Grand Prix or Williams Racing or whatever you want to call it, that is owned by Frank and that is run by Frank and Claire now. And no matter whose checkbook comes along, they run that show. Um, going back probably almost 10 years ago now when they were running uh, the BMW engines as was Sauber, BMW wanted to buy out Williams and run, you know use the Williams brand as their factory team. Uh, Frank refused and Sauber got bought out by BMW. Now in the short term that was great for Sauber, in the long term BMW pulled out so it was actually probably considered to be a good thing for Williams that they did. Uh, did pull that out. Uh, but, you know, if Frank wants it, you know, Frank treats drivers, and he always has done, as employees. Um, he, uh, a quick plug, sorry, for the Williams movie. If anybody gets a chance to see that, it's fantastic. Uh, and it does actually highlight one of these scenarios. Um, he was very, very close with P.S. Courage, um, a young British driver in the, in the 70s who was killed. And ever since then, he said, um, you know, he, he's he, drivers are employees, and he will, as you saw in the '90s when he was cycling through world champions at a, an alarming rate. You know, if, if 
somebody wants too much money, you can go and get it somewhere else. Um, so I, I'd be very, very surprised if uh, Lawrence Stroll has the influence and the money to dictate who Lance Stroll's teammate is for next year. I think Williams need to progress. They need to push forward. They um, have had good financial results that just came out today, I saw. Uh, At the end of the day, they are being run more like a business than they used to be, which is good for the company and good for the long-term viability of the company. Uh, Of course, a lot of that money that you see there does come from, obviously, the the Stroll family. Um, But I... I would be very, very sceptical if, if uh, truly would be if that was the case. If, if he had the influence to turn around and say yes or no to this guy. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I'd love to see Robert back in the car. I, you know, I, I think he was during his junior Formula days. He was he was as good as those guys that uh, yes. have won the championship. Well, famously, famously, between, um, famously, Lewis Hamilton said he's the only guy that he would like go. Oh yeah, um. I'm going to back out of this pass or I'm going to keep my nose clean <laughs> here because he, he would hold, you know, Robert in the, in the highest regard on, on, on that extent. And you know what? He's the sort of driver that, again, Frank would love. You know, Frank's a racing, you know, he's about racing drivers and, and you know, he is, he is exactly that. Yes, and he's, he's and I'm had not a, saying that he had a, a couple of years with, sure, William, with Williams prop. Yeah, Pride won a, yeah. in Canada for them. Yeah, so I I hope that uh, they put Robert in that car. Uh, you know, uh, otherwise, you know, both uh, Felipe or uh, Deresta would both be good uh, candidates for the seat they're as well. They're not so. blockbuster names, though, are they? No, no, they're not. You know, I mean, Kubica's not, not a not blockbuster name either, uh, but you know, but it'll bring some press to the team. So yeah, not that Lance um, Stroll is a blockbuster name either. So well, no, but it's a novelty, isn't it? Yes, but uh, yes, very yes. quickly, to discuss Danny Kavia, uh, to be honest with you, I'm amazed he's lasted this long. You know, uh, yeah, he, 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 he had his... kind of just, meh, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, thanks to the joys of Wikipedia here, sorry. Uh, I don't carry this information around with me uh, off the top of my head. Um, Eleven drivers have partic- participated in races for Toro Rosso. Under the, under the two current scoring regulations, which came in in 2010. Of this 11 drivers, Danny Kvyat has the 10th um, you know, record at points per race, at 0.32 points per race. There is only one world-class driver below him in that list, and that is Scott Speed. Scott you Speed. Have, I saw Scott Speed the other yeah, day. He was, on, uh, he was on NASCAR America doing a second sex, uh, segment about um, um, doing a rallycross for Volkswagen and Andretti. It's just kind of yeah. funny. I hadn't thought about him in a couple of years and saw him just two days ago. Well, there you go. Yeah, so he is the worst. He's the worst driver um, that has ever driven a Toro Rosso, basically, on points for racing. Danny Kvyat is second worst. Uh, you know, they've got some great drivers ahead of him. You've got Liuzzi, Algaswari, uh, Buemi, who I thought never really had a chance. Vern, again, who was a fantastic driver, never really had a chance. Um, so... Yeah, I don't think he never uh, he never really could it. I think, and he's he's probably outstayed his welcome a little bit. Absolutely. So I see Christopher DeHardy has just joined us in the studio. Chris, how you been, buddy? Uh, fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> Got a new windshield on the car, and it's great not having a huge crack running across the uh, front of your driving vision. 
Nice, nice. So you've got a windscreen rather than Halo? Yeah, and it's not an encumbered windscreen either. <laughs> That's funny. Chris, we were just finishing up, so, uh, but, um, so, Seth said. I'm a good closer. I'm, Seth, I'm, like, I'm like Happy Harvick. I'm the yeah, closer. Yeah, so, uh, so Chris, we, we did talk about the IndyCar testing at Sebring, um, and we've talked a little bit about uh, Trevor Carlin and his, um, uh, you know, really optimistic outlook on having a team by 2018. So just really quick in a few minutes, I'll just get your thoughts on uh, the IndyCar stuff we talked about, and then we're going to go around the table, make some picks for Formula One. Uh, I might let you take make, make a pick for NASCAR and to talk about who's going to be eliminated. So uh, I'll just throw it to you for a few minutes before we um, get off the air. Well, you're talking about IndyCar testing. I'm thrilled that Spencer Piggott was one of the drivers chosen to test this car. Um, it's great to see him get this opportunity and this responsibility with Ed Carpenter Racing. And I think it's going to help them out a ton for uh, next year, having the experience. I mean, sure, it's going to help out all the Chevrolet teams, but actually having driven the car, uh, seat time will, will only help you, in my opinion. Um, I like that they have four cars now testing instead of just two. Uh, it's very, very nice that they have... Uh, more body work out there on track uh, also helps uh, you know get more data, more cars, more data. Um, I like seeing Trevor Carlin be optimistic about 2018 when you consider the massive empire that he's built in Europe. Uh, he only raises the profile of any series that he competes in, and it will only be a good thing for IndyCar when he makes the jump to running full-time in the Verizon IndyCar series. Um, uh that's really it for me for now. Um, except that, uh, I guess, the last thing about Spencer Pickett is that you know him having a full-time ride. Um, finally, 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 it's uh, happening. I'm so glad that uh, we got him doing this two-time Road to Indy champion in the series full-time and having testing. It only got better for him. Absolutely. So, any word? I mean, I know you're out there in Indianapolis area now. Any word on? Kyle Kaiser and where his um, Indy Lights uh, scholarship money is going to land him next year? I haven't heard anything. Although, if I were going to, if someone gave me twenty dollars to bet on it, I would say it's going to go to Yunkos. Um, as for what race, if if assuming for the sake of argument that Kyle runs with Yunkos, I mean, you know, he would run the five hundred. Um, Kyle's from the West Coast, so I mean, he could run either. He has a few races to choose from out there, but the big wild card is the other race that he would run. I mean, I don't know what he would do. Although, let's face it, from a logistical standpoint, I mean, Yungos is based three minutes south of the speedway. It would be stupid for them not to run the Indy Grand Prix, but then again, I'm not the one that makes those decisions. Um, I mean, hell, what would you do if you were in that position? You'd want to go run the races that were close to your shop, too. Um, that's why Ed Carp. Or loves running in Indianapolis so much. I mean, he has to go back to the shop. Oh, just uh, send a crew member over there, and he's back in 15 minutes. Right. So, do you do you feel like Yukos uh, is close to a full time program for next year? Or do you believe they'll be part time again? Um, right now, while speaking with Ricardo at Watkins Glen, he said the plan, the goal is to do three to five, but that may change when sponsorship if sponsorship can come about. Um, although it also depends on. I hate to say this, but I would. It de- does depend on crash damage because if he doesn't have that many crashes, he's able to spend more money on engineering and you know getting the cars ready and all that. Um, if he has a Dale Coin like season, 
uh, it would look really rough for him. Right, right. Okay, so yeah, so we'll just have to keep monitoring that again. Indy's got a rather long off season. Um, to well, kind of, one to thing, kind of Frank, if I these, may. One thing, if you may, Chris, maybe two. I can actually, maybe maybe I two, can, if you're nice to me. I can ask Ricardo <laughs> about that on Sunday. He's racing in the SCCA runoffs at the Speedway, and I'm going to be there. Yep. Oh, I was going to ask you were going to be at the at the runoffs, so I'm well, going to have to. I actually uh, head off. I head off in a. a friend of myself and Joy Barnes is going to be racing. Uh, Hunter Brayton, Scott's nephew, is going to be racing there. So it'll be good to see him. Awesome, yeah. And my, my family race team's out there, too. Maloney Racing, they're out there competing in Formula V, so we wish them best of luck for the runoffs, too. Um, so, But, yeah, SCCA runoffs are always a good time. Uh, you know, anybody in the Indianapolis area, I would just implore you to just get out, go to the track. It's pretty cheap to get in. You'll have you'll have a day of racing that lasts from nine in the morning till 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 seven in the afternoon, uh, with racing all day long with uh, a ton of different classes of racing. Um, and you know, just I mean, don't miss some of these. Uh, you know, the Formula Atlantics were out there this morning. The uh, Formula the Formula V's at racing, you know, and you've got uh, a different different stock series and, and sports car series, so uh, vintage series, all out there for the runoff. So uh, that's a good time if anybody has time to go. And Ricardo's going to be racing in the Spec Miata class. There you go, there you go. So Chris, guess where I went this weekend? So I, I had my um, I had my choice. Bar. I yeah, I work at one. I go there every weekend. <laughs> so I. Uh, had a choice of going to the Xfinity race in Kentucky or doing something else. So uh, I went to Louisville and I went to the Mecham auction. Ooh, I like Ooh, this. I was pretty cool. Yeah, I was. I've not been to one. It was it was thirty bucks to walk in the door, which I thought was a little high, but it was fun. I mean, I saw some, I saw some absolutely beautiful automobiles um, and had a good time. I didn't bid on anything or buy anything. Uh, you know, because about the thirty bucks, about what I had. So, but uh, I just thought I'd share that with you. That's because uh, that that comes to Indianapolis uh, once a year too. So, if you ever able to check that out, it was a really fun time. So, Joey and I uh, went to that. I think it was last year, right, Joey? Joey's not here. Oh, are any of us really here? <laughs> I mean, that's this is the question. So, well, so, well, so guys, wait, let's. Wait, uh, well, we're just fair, catching up with Chris. To be fair, to be fair, to be fair, when I have another window up, it says current call. Joey is the very first name that I see. It is there. <laughs> right. He just is fixing. I think his bathroom is flooded, he said. so. But but with that being said, we are, you know, we promised we get this show done in an hour, um, which we say that every week, which, you know, that's the greeting <laughs> an hour or more. So we're just catching up with Chris. So let's real quick. So Formula One. We're going to Malaysia, or are we going? Are we, are we going to Singapore? Malaysia. I, I can't remember which Malaysia, right? So for the last time. For the last time, this is the this is uh this. Let's go around the table and make a pick. So who wants to go first? Gray's already left. It's good night, Gray. Seth, you get a pick for the Formula One race. Pierre Gasly. Um, is that who you like? <laughs> uh, I think I'll go with Lewis Hamilton. Okay, all right. Uh, Christopher? Valtteri Botas. Botas, good for you. Richard? Vettel. Vettel, okay. So that leaves for me. I, I, I could take Kimmy. I'm, I'm sure I could, yeah. Or I could say that a, uh, that a Red Bull car wins. So I'm going to go Daniel Ricciardo. 
Um, I'd love to pick Pierre Gasly because, I, you know, we were talking about earlier offline, I'll just share my joke. It just sounds like a cartoon character, you know, from the old wacky races. Dick Dastardly and his sidekick Pierre Gasly. I don't know. But we'll see how young Pierre does. And, Chris, if you want to jump in and get you a pick for the NASCAR race and then a pick. What did everyone else pick? All the good ones. Uh, I, yeah, we picked. Yeah, I picked Truex. Truex is gone. Uh, Johnson's gone. Harvick's gone. And, um... The Kyle Larson's gone. Brad Keselowski. There you go. I like I like that pick. All right. And the so. four being eliminated. Um, I wish I could say Danica for all four, but that would be cheating. <laughs> she's, uh, all, she's already eliminated. Well, I, I don't know actually who's in the uh, playoffs right now. Um, okay, well, don't worry about it then. I, you know, so just just say, uh, you know, like we all did: Casey Kane, Kurt Busch, you know, Ryan Newman. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> steady now, steady, uh, steady. Dillon. All right, hang, hang Jamie, on, hang Jamie on, hang McMurray. on. Okay, I, I actually have him right here. Yeah, I was okay. I was gonna say McMurray, Dylan, Kane, and uh, Kurt Busch. There you go. There you go. Good picks. I'll give you half of that then. All right. Well, with any further ado, we we are in overtime. Green white checker. So, uh, and, and Gray's already had to, to run off. So, uh, good night to you, Gray. Um, I'll just go around the table with you three guys. One, one final thought for the week before we sign off. Uh, well, I'll go first. Uh, next year, Phoenix Raceway will have a new title. It will have a title sponsor, ISM Connect, and it will be known as ISM Raceway. And I don't know if you've seen the plans to upgrade Phoenix. Uh, I have. Stuff they've been working on. Yeah, it's going to be pretty spectacular. I might have to fly out there for the IndyCar next next year just to check out the uh, amenities uh, upgrade to the track because it looks like what they're going to do is going to be really nice. So, Christopher, final thought for the night. Um, we have a long off-season to look ahead for, for IndyCar on the road to Indy. Thankfully, it's not going to be as long because I'm going to have the Chris Griffiths Memorial Test to go to in late October. Let's just hope that we can see the IndyCar grid grow um, as much as we're expecting it to, with you know Yunkos and Carlin coming in to fill the void, with Ganassi dropping two, you know Ganassi dropping two cars, and here's hoping that somehow Penske can stay at four cars next year. Right, and and Harding is looking at uh, it, uh, one car True. effort, one car effort minimum, perhaps a second car, but uh, I think that we're pretty much a lock with uh, Gabby Chavez for a full season in the Harding car. So that that'd be that's great to see again. So, Richard, your thoughts? Um, yeah, coming into this weekend, the, 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 as I mentioned earlier, the, the, the final race at, uh, at Malaysia, at Sepang Circuit, it was the first, going back, oh, when was the first race there? Late 90s, wasn't it? Um, 99, I'm going to say. Uh, you know, a lot of these new tracks have come under criticism, the Herman Tilke design tracks um, that have become, some of them have been and gone already. Um, but Malaysia was, was a pretty good little circuit, you know, uh, there was some good racing there. It was different. It was the first really modern track to, to hit the calendar. Um, and it sort of set a, set a precedent, I think, for some of these, that some of these newer tracks could never, never really keep up with. Um, so it'd be a shame to see it go. It really will. But, um, yeah, hopefully it may, may come back one day. I'd love to see it come back. Yeah, you know, it was one of the one of the first uh, in those, uh, you know, those big money um, eastern cities and whatnot. So I did have some final thoughts for the night, but I just got a text from 
Lance Stroll's dad told me to be quiet. So, <laughs> oh, playing, playing <laughs> off an earlier joke in the show today, Chris. So, uh, anyway, um, I'll just I'll just say this: I don't enjoy the long uh, off season of IndyCar. I think that right now, uh, if we were racing, we we could have a prime opportunity to capitalize um, and, and showcase the sport. But uh, maybe maybe on another year, I understand the um, Mexico City race announcement was delayed um, after the earthquakes in Mexico. Again, we're thinking about the folks down there. Um, you know, obviously these these sort of negotiations need to step aside when we have uh, natural disasters and whatnot. So, uh, but hopefully they will be able to announce. Um, that we'll be going to Mexico City next August for IndyCar. So uh, with that being said, I'm going to thank the panel. Thank you, Gray. Thank you, Seth, Richard, Christopher. Uh, thank all the fans for watching. Uh, thank Hoobazoo Radio Network, iHeartRadio, and iTunes for hosting us. Everybody, have a good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.